Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first edition of the Northern Star's new podcast, The Headliners. On this show, we'll discuss the biggest national sports stories and give you the perspective of the star sports staff. I'm the assistant sports editor, Cody Price, along with sports editor, J- Jace Eustace. Hey, what's going on? And sports writer, James Krause. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, guys, the teams are selected, the pundits have their picks, and the boss button is back. March Madness has begun, and we are down to 64 teams, and we'll be down to 16 teams come Monday morning. Duke, the number one seed in the East region, is the 9-4 odds-on favorite to win the tournament, and Gonzaga in the West region follows with the 19-4 odds. All right, guys, so who do you all have winning the entire tournament? I mean, is it even a question? Yeah, me and, I, J- me and Jace both have uh, the same pick here. I mean, Duke. I mean, Duke is, you know, obviously they're the overall number one seed, you know, for a reason. You know, they earned it. There were some questions coming into the ACC tournament when uh, no one knew how Zion was going to take that injury and coming back from that. But uh, <clears throat> he proved, especially with the 13, thir- shooting 13 for 13 in the first round, that, you know, he's back, he's ready to play. And uh, Duke looks just as scary as it did in the beginning of the season. And I don't think that uh, anyone has the formula, be it pro or college, of how to defend against him yet. Uh, especially having that time off gave him time to get to full health and also gave teams less of an opportunity to really figure him out. And I still think that's going to be uh, something that helps Duke throughout the tournament and that's going to get them the championship. Kobe, you have the only sort of differing opinion at the table right now. Yeah, I have the, I'm the only person at the table who did not pick Duke to uh, win the entire thing. I took Virginia. I Why? Took, I took Virginia being Duke. First off, um, with Duke, I have them making it to the championship game. So I, Duke, you have Duke, Virginia. Though. I have Duke, Virginia, okay. and I have Virginia beating Duke. The reason why is I believe in Virginia. I know it's easy to lose faith in Virginia after what happened last year. <laughs> of course. But I don't want to get too lost in a moment that we're no longer living in now. Virginia is a better team. And I think a big thing that we need to remember from last year is that Hunter was not 100%. True. He wasn't even – he wasn't the same guy because of injuries. And now he's back this year. He's back. And they're, they're more experienced. He's a sophomore. They have a veteran-laden team. They're great defensively. And I think in a game where you have one of the best coaches in the nation, you have one of the most well-rounded rosters, you have a strong defense, you have an offensive contribution from your, from your veterans, from the guys who've been around the longest – I just think – I believe them. I think this is their year. They've been at the top for so long, eventually they have to get over the hump, and I think this is the year. It's a it's a matter of playing your best basketball now because one bad game and that's it. You're going home now. And I, I that kind of leads me to who I think is going to end up being playing Duke in the championship game. And this is one uh, that when I talked to uh, some people they were surprised by. I think Villanova is going to be in the championship game because uh, Coach Jay Wright always has his team playing best in March. They're always going to be a team that relies on the three-point shot, and they have been more than ever this year. And, and if they're shooting it well, they're going to be super dangerous, I think, in the tournament. See, <clears throat> I went with the classic Duke-North Carolina matchup. And the reason – Round four. Round four. Dude, the reason that I went with them in the tournament coaching matters incredibly. And to me, the two best coaches in the tournament are Coach K and Roy Williams. You know, um, North Carolina, they've kind of – you know, they've kind of been disrespected coming in. They've gotten the one seed, but also they beat Duke twice. But all they've heard is, hey, you didn't beat Duke with Zion. You know, they beat Duke twice without Zion. He came back. They beat him in the ACC, tur- ACC tournament. But I just feel like North Carolina is going to get over that. Or they're going to get through Tennessee. They're going to get through their kind of tough uh, region that they have. Beat, get, get, 
Yeah, sorry. Get past Kentucky, get past Houston, and they're going to be in the national championship against Duke. I think it, it is fair, though, to say that this Duke team is far better with Zion on the floor. Yeah. I think we saw that w- where they kind of struggled with R.J. Barrett as their, their lead scorer. Um, and I think that if they didn't have Zion, I would struggle to see if they would be even a number one seed right now because I don't know if they can get through that tournament, the ACC tournament, without Zion. No, they don't They don't win that tournament without Zion. There's no question there. I mean, And it's really alarming no. just how important – Not we all know Zion's a great player. We knew that these three – these three freshmen, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson for and, – And the point guard, too, Trey. Oh, yeah, and Trey Jones. We, we all knew that they were going to be really important, but it's so alarming how important, like how impactful Zion is for this team considering how like highly touted R.J., Cam, and Trey were. It's just really startling to me just how impactful he is because they go from a team that you're saying – if, if Duke wins the championship, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I would actually be like, okay, this makes sense. Well, coming into the season, it almost felt like they are supposed to. You know, I mean, you get the number one and number two recruits in the class, and it's like, what What else are you supposed to think? Right. You know, Zion, you know, he's been – you've been seeing his videos on ESPN, on Bleacher Report, on SportsCenter since Everywhere. he was, what, 15, and throwing down dunks? And, and like, the crazy thing is, R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, they were originally expected to be the better high, – the higher draft picks. Like, Zion was originally supposed to go number five. He, a lot of people saw him as a dunker, and he's he's made an emphasis this year. I'm not just a dunker. I'm yeah. a guy that can make plays defensively. I'm a guy that can shoot the ball outside of the paint. And he's shown that this year, and I think that's been huge for them because I think people look at him, started the season looking at him as one-dimensional. And now because he's added so much to his game, now he's going to be really tough for teams to, well, to face off against. Didn't Zion reclassify too? Because wasn't he reclassified to be in this class? I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong on I that. I think but he did. He at one point there was some weird r- loophole. He yeah, tried to because he take graduated to early. He, I mean, he's not obviously he's supposed to be there, but it, he reclassified into this mm-hmm. class and immediately like became the number one recruit. Right. Like because he was supposed to be in, you know in next year's freshman high school freshman class or sorry college freshman class, but I don't remember if he reclassified. I just know that he's going to be 18 this entire. Like he doesn't turn 18 until. Sorry, he doesn't turn 19 until July. Yeah. So maybe he did reclassify, but I don't remember. But and that's another thing. He's just so – like he's. I think he's an entire year younger than one of RJ or Kim. I don't remember who, yeah. though. And, and uh, he's, he's going to get his payday coming up soon, and that kind of leads us to our next sort of topic, the uh, NCAA student athlete day in the life video. Jace, you want to talk about that? So, yeah, yesterday the NCAA released a video on their Twitter. Uh, they titled it Student and Athlete Day in the Life. Uh, it's basically what the NCAA pictures to be, you know, what a student athlete does on a daily basis. And that's kind of faced a lot of backlash from, um, you know, sports fans. And it's also seen a lot of comment from athletes, former uh, college athletes and professional athletes. So, um, Kobe, I know, you know, People listening might not have seen it, but what would you, what did you feel about that video? So when I first saw it, I um, you, obviously you see it and you just see this guy looking around, and then he wakes up out of bed. I think he starts with uh, what does he? How does he start? Does he start with his workout? I think he goes to it. I can pull the video up yeah. here. I believe he starts going class. to class. class yeah, there we go. He starts with class, and then he does his workout, and then. He's talking, mm-hmm. hanging out outside. Then he goes to a game and goes for a run. He goes for a run, yeah. yeah. And then it's just like these great things, which are part of being a student athlete. But um, as a man, Emmanuel Acho, he um, currently at ESPN now, 
So it's a lot more than just that. It's more than just the waking up at a decent time, wake, and then going to class and being alert and just running and then just play the games. There's a lot that they miss out on. They, they obviously did not include the weightlifting. They didn't include the film sessions, film sessions the <clears throat> meetings. Um, that guy looked pretty well-rested when he woke up <laughs> right. from yeah. his, uh, sl- his late-night slumber. Most mm-hmm. athletes had to wake up really early, insanely early in the day, especially during the off-season or during um, conditioning time preseason just to just to get through they have to wake up because they have to go to they have to do conditioning or they have to lift, lift weights and then you have to go to class and then you still have meetings so then you have these other things that you take care of and you're not looking so spry when you do this for multiple weeks at a time and i think what makes it different in other cases is it's not the general public going like really is this really it it's athletes coming out like miles turner like tory smith like uh, Alvin Kamara and Richard Sherman, and saying this is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> that that this is not accurately depict a day in the life of a student athlete. And someone mentioned it. Uh, I believe it was Bomani Jones from ESPN. I don't think this is NCAA not knowing what a student athlete does. Although I wouldn't be shocked if there are some people that are totally in it, that are in the upper echelon of that organization that don't know. I think it's just a matter of this is what they want to market student athletes as. It it seems like a PR move that they yeah. are just kids that you know go to class and in the middle they they go out and they play basketball or they go <clears> play football. When the reality is they're the high uh, high level student athletes at high level schools uh, are dedicating a lot a lot of time uh, out of their day to sports that the university themselves turn around and make money off. And I mean, from where we sit, you know, obviously what we do, we, you know, write stories on athletes, we interview athletes, we have classes with athletes, like, we kind of have that perspective that, you know, people, maybe, you know, outside of sports may not be able to see and outside of the co- covering college sports and I might might not be able to see. So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like, I've seen, I've, I've seen some like athletes falling asleep in classes. And you know, it's probably just because you know, they have a lot more going on. And like Kobe said, it's not just as simple as what this video shows. It's not just, you know, wake up, oh, uh, hey, I got my one class, and hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, and it's a beautiful day, go for a run, go for You know, it's not that simple. And to me, it just seems like a PR move. It's like, you know, hey, our athletes, you know, they still have plenty of time to hang out with friends and it plenty is, of time to do whatever they it want. It is a PR move, but it comes at one of the weirdest times to do it. It's like they're already getting however much <laughs> you know PR just from having this college tournament uh, both men's and women's that are going to be nationally televised and are going to have millions of people watching and millions of people talking about it and it's just a, I feel like it's a weird move it's not necessarily a stupid move I think because I think the NCAA is just trying to put what they want their image to be out there it's just not that accurate I feel like I, I do, from speaking having gone to the Jordan Center a bunch of times there's always people there, whether there's people practicing, whether there's people working out, uh, lifting weights, or there's people there studying because they don't want to go through the effort of, okay, I'll go home and study and do that. They're just always, they dedicate so much of their time to athletics. Uh, and that's especially true at D1 schools, uh, especially, you know, uh, Power Five schools, places where there is heavy expectations it's like a job in some ways it's like a full-time job 
that they have to dedicate themselves to. And it's not like it's not as if these things don't exist in their lives. Like, of course, they do have class. Of course, they do have some semblance of free time where they can hang out. And it's not all all miserable either. No, no. And, you know, NCAA, if you're listening right here, I have a (laughs) free idea for you guys. You don't have to charge me at all because I know you wouldn't want to anyway. (laughs) You don't have to pay me at all because I know that can be an issue at times. Here's a free idea. I, I get what you guys are trying to do. However, what you could do is show the re- reality of it. Show the, you know I what? feel like that you're right on with this. Show the reality of it. Show the, you had to get up early. You're going to have to whiff lates early in the morning. You're still going to go to class. You still have to be a full-time student. You still have the struggles of, a, of, a, of going to meetings at weird times. Not weird times of the day, but like in the middle of your day. Going to practice in the middle of the day. Having to work around, having to fit this around your class schedule right, and all that. Then show like at the end of it. The actual game, and because that's what these athletes because are Because that's for. what a lot of people, that's what they're working for, and that's all, uh, for most people that watch college sports, that's all they see. Because right. there's not a, a gigantic following, I think, for the, the little things in college sports, like wh- how they're doing in the classroom, how they're doing in practices, right. what they're doing in their communities outside of football in general. Show the, show the sacrifice they have to make, and then you can end it with, like, Either they're starting the game, or somebody make a game-winning shot, or a game-winning throw, something, or a game-winning, uh, or a walk-off home run, yeah. something to show like it's a lot of sacrifice. It pays off, but it can pay off. I got you. If you if if, <clears throat> if you, you commit yourself if you to keep, it, if you keep to if it, if you keep yeah. at it. Another so thing that I would say in that commercial: use an actual student athlete. They use an actor in this, and because of NCAA rules, they couldn't use an actual student athlete in this. If they had actual student athlete testimony, it's not like the student athlete. Their big thing is that they need to, they want to maintain amateurism and they don't want to pay the athletes, and that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, just enduring people to these athletes by saying, "Yeah, this is my day. I, I wake up super early. I, I train. I get my body right. I go to class. I, pr- I, you know." work out with teammates, I try and maintain my social life as well, and I perform on, on you know, weekends. Or, uh, yeah, <clears throat> in the big games. You know, I feel like to me, what you guys are going along with, it'd be more effective as a testimony. Instead of, you know, like you said, an actor. Yeah. Getting an actual, you know, not, you know, someone that's recognizable, but someone that's actually, you know, a student athlete, and getting them to give their testimony. And, you know, that way it kind of goes on what Kobe said. It's the reality of it. It's not just, you know, Painting the picture is what they kind of do of, hey, you know, it's all roses over here. But, like, I like the reality fact, and I like the idea of getting an actual student athlete instead of just an actor because then it, it kind of relates it more to, you know, people who are going to become student athletes. Like, if you can sit there, like, if you're going into college sports, you can sit there and you see this, hey, this is the day in the life of Zion Williamson. Like, yeah, it's not easy, yeah. He's got to work hard. Yeah, it's not just, you know, dunking on three people on game day. There's a lot that goes there's, into there's it. There's stuff that goes into it, yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. And if you're going to do it, be realistic about it because you just show the payoff. Just be like – it's not, and we're not trying to make it seem like being an NCAA Division one athlete is miserable. Like, no. they get scholarships. Oh, I'm sure, like, the people that are – like, there are student athletes complaining about this on Twitter, but I bet if you would ask them, would like, would you give up being a student athlete? A lot of them probably would say no because I like – this sport, and I like the opportunity that I get to get, you know, my education, be it discounted or for free. But I think they're just not happy with how they're being portrayed. Exactly. And if you guys want to check out the um, the video I'm talking about, 
go on Twitter, Emmanuel Acho. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. That's correct. Yeah, you are. At T-H capital E-M-A-N and lowercase A-C-H-O. Just check it out. At, it's called Athlete and Student. A real day in the life. <laughs> and then he, and then he uh, adds the NCAA. So try, kind of transitioning from players who aren't making any money <laughs> to players who are making <clears throat> ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, and, and we'll get into that a little bit. First it was Manny Machado, then it was Bryce Harper, and now it's Mike Trout. The outfielder for the Los Angeles Angels is getting his big payday now. 12 years, $430 million. He's averaging a little over $38 million a year. Say that one more time. $38 million a year. <laughs> okay, thank you. Plus. Jeez. It's not just the biggest baseball contract ever. It's the largest in American pro sports history. And it's not just restricted to the people you see on the diamond in the majors anymore. Big money contracts uh, are going out to minor leaguers now. At least in this case, it's Elroy Jimenez. Uh, He hasn't played a day in the majors, and he has a six-year, $43 million contract, according to ESPN, with the Chicago White Sox. So do these big money contracts help uh, these teams? And if the best players in the world are getting $430 million, what does this mean for other athletes, not just in baseball, but for other sports like, say, basketball or football? Do Do they help the team? Does it help at least a baseball team? Because a baseball team is very much you need 25 great players in order to to be great. And they got one, but it's going to be at the cost of they won't be able to pay out for all those other positions. It does not help the team. If anything, what these long contracts, especially being, you know, 12 years, 13 years that these these athletes are signing now, it doesn't help the team. In anything, it holds the team hostage. I mean – I just think about, so Bryce Harper, if I remember correctly, Bryce Harper's like 26 years old. He's somewhere around there. He's like in his mid, mid-20s. mid Yeah, he's about to be into his, uh, into his late 20s. But yeah, he's he is 26. 20s. Okay, so Bryce Harper, if you think about, so Bryce Harper's a great player. I'm not taking anything away from him. But if you think about, he signed, what was it, 13 years? It, it, was, it was a double-digit year. I believe it was 13. Signed through 2031. Okay, so you think about that. If you get prime Bryce Harper, for the next five to six years, say he's still you know a top ten player for the next five to six years, and he tapers off after that, how much money are you paying for a below average player? I mean, obviously it's going to take a long time for him to get below average, but with these long contracts, look at Albert Pujols with with the Angels. Look at you know who is it? It was Alex Rodriguez who signed the big you know original long you know ten year deal. Mm-hmm. Look at these contracts. Is Albert Pujols still worth the money he's getting paid? Like. It, at the end, like, yeah, it sounds great, and yes, you can lock down these players, and you can lock them down for pretty much ever, but you're paying a premium, and you're paying, you know, to not get that free agent in two years. You're paying to having to let, you know, a decent young player walk because you can't afford to pay him the contract extension that he wants. You know, it's at, it's it sounds great on paper, but these huge contracts, these huge, you know, decade-long contracts, they, if any, they do not help the team at all it, it's there's really no alternative for a lot of these teams either i think or at least for the leagues uh it's different a, a little bit for the mlb because they don't have revenue sharing but they don't have a salary cap so if the new york yankees want to spend you know have a billion dollar payroll they can have a billion dollar payroll they just have to pay the luxury and and the angels probably are capable of doing that too and that's of course as you mentioned with the luxury tax but it, it Baseball had this issue with, as we mentioned, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, where it took them so long to get signed 
because I think a lot of teams understood, okay, if we're putting this much money to him, we're really dedicating a lot to him and making him the core of our team. That's the case for Manny Machado. That's the case for Bryce Harper. Manny Machado, he's come out and said, listen, we're not a contender right away. This will take years of going through development, of going through uh, you know, a lot of trials and tribulation. Yeah. Bryce Harper is in a bit of a different situation with Philadelphia. They're kind of a team that's on the rise, and they can be there. The Angels are a bit of a team that's on the rise, but at the same time, in terms of development down the line, it, that's what it's going to be crucial. Mm-hmm. It's going to be developing players because mm-hmm. they're not going to have a ton of money that will be able to keep a core for a long, long time beyond Mike Trout. Yeah, I don't to answer the question. I don't. I don't see these these contracts don't really help teams. Like they're not they're not constructive towards team building. Now maybe like you said, the actual development you have to develop your younger players. You have to develop players you already have on your roster. Sure, but you could have done that regardless. And I understand why the teams the teams are in position. Like, look, this is what it costs to have a major star on your roster. The the players they want security. They want a lot of money. And who can blame them? I can't. If I was. If I was good enough to get four hundred plus million dollars for whatever I do, for and you give give me that much money over 10, 11, 12, 13 years, I would take that without any issue. You're just not you're just limiting as a team. You're limiting what you can do in terms of free agency, um, or just bringing in other stars. Like I remember when Bryce Harper when he signed his deal, he was trying to who was he trying to kept adding on? I think it was on Instagram. Was it? It wasn't Mike Trout. Was yeah, it? he was because yeah, he actually he was trying to recruit. They Mike brought Trout. up Tampering, and he said he best. He said like, I'm gonna be best believe I'll be contacting Mike Trout when he's a free agent. He's right. trying to form like his super team, but obviously it's not gonna happen yeah. anymore. Yeah. With the, it's you know, not gonna happen. But, but you know yeah. how hard that would have been set for them to sign, um, Harper and then gift Trout thirteen whatever thirteen yeah. years, four hundred thirty million dollars. Like, talk about holding a team hostage. Imagine those two on the same payroll. Yeah. That's all. That's. Um, what is that? That's, that would be over or close to $800 million committed towards two players over the next be about $70 million a year for two players. It's practically impossible. Yeah. Yeah. But the issue that I have with it is baseball teams, a lot of them have really weird ways of A, winning, and B, making money and, and prioritizing one or the other. Um, if you look at the Miami Marlins, they've just been cutting money at every corner. Everything. They traded Christian Yelich because they didn't want to pay him. They traded Guns. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton because they didn't want to pay him because they just want to make money and and that's at the cost of winning. Whether they want to admit that or not, that's up to them. But at the same time, Mike Trout, for as great as he is, and he is worth every penny of this. There's no question about that, I think. No one's out here saying, I don't think he's worth $430 million or he's not the best player in baseball. The question is, it hasn't led to success in the past for them. If Mm. it if Mike Trout had, say, a World Series title under his belt, then absolutely no one would question him re-signing with the Angels, I think. But because he only has the one playoff series appearance where he got swept... Didn't he go hitless, too? He pr- I'm pretty sure he, he went might, hitless. But he... Zero postseason hits for $430 million. That's That's what I take issue it, with. It makes baseball... He has one hit. Sport. One hit? Okay. One for 12. In the, in the playoffs ever. Yeah. It's weird, like bunch of unproven players in the playoffs, in the big situations, in the in the 
moments that we remember most. We remember World Series far more than we do games in June or July or August. So you're talking about unproven in the playoffs. How about unproven in the big leagues with Jimenez, 43 million, six years. It's it's an it's again it's a case of the teams can do whatever they want really. I mean in in Major League Baseball, so, uh, I heard an argument recently against a salary cap in say the NFL or even like the NBA. This is part of why I think there should be a salary cap because then teams can go crazy with it and it gets to a point where like, okay, it's great, this guy has this money and I'm not saying that these athletes don't deserve their money. I don't know a lot about Elroy Jimenez being as he has not played in the major leagues yet and he's somehow making a, a eight-figure contract. <laughs> but there, is, there should be some competitive balance Maybe, maybe it's less that there should be a salary cap, but there should be a salary floor where you don't have teams like the Marlins who are just trading away every valuable asset they can so they can make the most money with nothing on the field. Sure. And I think it's just for, in sports in general, having paying a lot of players, not paying a lot of players, paying big-time players a lot of money, it restricts you, obviously, from team building. And that goes across every sport. That's why you see a lot of teams, especially recently in the NFL, the highest-paid quarterbacks, they're not, they're, if they're making the playoffs, they're not getting <laughs> they're far. They're barely mm-hmm. making the playoffs. You see the last few years, uh, the Super Bowl winners, whether it was – Tom Brady takes pay cuts almost every year. He's Brady, been doing that for a while. Brady's too. not a very – like, we could think Tom Brady's, you could say it's the greatest, the greatest, whatever you want to say. He, he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now, and he doesn't get paid a lot in terms in comparison to other quarterbacks, other starting because quarterbacks. Because he says, I want to win championships. He understands what it takes he understands to, that in to order build that to team. build a team – that they need that salary room. Now that hurts the rest of the NFL because then the point of having a salary cap is that's like that's kind of evening off the competitive balance. And so if a player takes less than what their value is on the open market, then just makes it easier for the Patriots to build a more competitive team on a year-to-year basis. So then you could say, well, the players should take all the money because then they'll just make it more competitive across the entire landscape, but that's not what's happening. So it doesn't help team building when a player is as highly paid, but I'm not going to tell them not to take it. They deserve it. They oh, earned yeah. it. Get your money. Talking about <laughs> guys getting their money, that's been the case for the NFL free agency this uh, this offseason. And Le'Veon Bell is a guy that probably could have gotten more money, but he got his money. Uh, Le'Veon Bell left the Steel City for the Big Apple in free agency. He signed on to play with the New York Jets. Bell recently spoke out in an interview with Sports Illustrated about playing uh, with quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm going to read a quote off here. Quote, Ben wants to win, but Ben wants to win his way, and that's tough to play with. Ben won a Super Bowl, but he won when he was younger. Now he's at uh, this stage where he tries to control everything, and the team let him get there, end quote. Uh, this coincides with another former Steeler, Antonio Brown, who's now with the Oakland Raiders. He said in February that he believed Roethlisberger has, quote, an owner's mentality. Uh, with these two leaving and now sharing their thoughts on Big Ben and I think people more coming out and realizing the type of person behind closed doors Ben Roethlisberger is, do you think that changes the franchise's perspective on him or do you think they will continue to side with Big Ben? Uh, the way I see it, the franchise has already made their decision. If they let Big Ben, or sorry, if they let Le'Veon and AB go, they've picked their guy. They picked that Big Ben is the guy that they're going to stick with. He, they, he won them a Super Bowl, and that's great. But, you know, Eli Manning won the Giants two Super Bowls, and he's not taking them anywhere now. 
Like at Be- some point, because I and I think a lot of people laughed uh, last year when Ben McAdoo said the only reason the Giants, well, he didn't say directly the only reason the Giants aren't good is because of Eli Manning, but he said the big part of it was that. And he benched him. He had the courage to bench him, and he got a lot of backlash for right. that because he ended his, you know, consecutive start streak. But in the end, like, is anybody arguing? For Eli Manning to still be a starting quarterback, like I don't think any like, obviously he still has some to contribute, and he'd be a great locker room guy, a great backup quarterback to have the playoff experience just alone. But like I'm just saying, in terms of the owners, the Rooney family, the owner, the, they've already decided to stick with Big Ben, and they chose that by letting their star play, their star running back, their star wide receiver, who have had complaints with Ben in the past. And they've they've made their decision. They let both of them walk, and that's just a decision they have to live with now. I just, I just think it's crazy on that franchise's part to in a, in a battle between uh, two of the top tier players at their positions. Le'Veon Bell, I don't know what he'll be next year because he took that year off, but he was before he took that year off one of the best running backs in the league. Antonio Brown, without doubt, is one of the best wide receivers in the league, and they instead sided with a near-retirement quarterback who... Who's flirted with retirement, Who's too. been refl- flirting with, with retirement, retirement for a while now, and he's n- nowhere near the level of... I don't think he's in the top five quarterbacks probably in no. the NFL right now, and no. I don't think he ever has been. He's probably been in the top five, but right now he definitely is not in the top five. No. And in terms of the Rooney family side with Ben, I, I think they know this side of Ben. If they didn't, I don't know if Ben would still be around. Like, they have to have some kind of acceptance and willingness to deal with Ben because obviously he's he's Super Bowl champion. He's been with the team for, what, 16 years? Since he got here. Yes, like, since he came to the league, I want to say <clears> 16, <throat> 17 years. He's been there for as long as I can remember, and he's been their quarterback for, it seems like, forever. So they're obviously they know his personality. They know how he be- behaves in the locker room. He's seen Plenty of guys have gone to that series locker room and have exited and they all have met Ben one way or another, and they have to they have to hear like what their players, what their assistant coaches, what the head coach, what their scouts like, what they say about him. And is if if um, my biggest thing is if we're hearing about Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown saying these things out in the public, imagine what they're saying in to, that locker room. in the locker room to other players, to management, to ownership. It has to be to me. I my assumption. My assumption think would be about, it's a lot worse. Think about Ben Roethlisberger. He was calling out players uh, for mistakes they made, and not to say that the Steelers were perfect last year. Ben was certainly no no Tom Brady either. He was no Aaron Rodgers last year. But if he was calling players out in the public, he's probably doing the same in the locker room, and probably a lot less you know kindly. Yeah, that's probably a big reason why overall the Steelers have underachieved. Like, you think about it, every like going in these last few years, when they've had A.B., when they've had Le'Veon, obviously not this last year because he didn't play, but, like, it's always been the Patriots and Steelers. Like, will this be the year the Steelers get over the hump? You know, they have the killer bees. You know, they have the, one of the best offenses if their defense can get it together, but they've underachieved. Every, they missed the playoffs last year. Like, they've underachieved with, you know, their star players that they have, so obviously they had to make a decision one way or another because what they were doing wasn't working. But did they make the right decision? I no. guess we'll see. I, I don't. I'm predicting right now, no. How much do you like Juju? Have. Juju is great, <laughs> but they're going to ruin him too, I feel like. Well, That's what's scary yeah. about it because I think Juju, uh, in terms of like if I were an NFL executive, I love Juju Smith-Schuster because yeah. he's talented. He's got a personality that, that people gravitate to. 
he's young. He wants to win. Not yeah. He's multifaceted like Antonio Brown was. Right. Or, well, still is, I guess. Uh, but I feel like uh, he's stuck in a franchise that's going to find – like, I don't trust this franchise with talent anymore because <laughs> they, they had – I mean, I, I think the, that's fair to say. They had like, the best skill position players, I think, combination in the NFL probably – at least in the top five, probably, in terms of just skilled offensive players. Oh, yeah. They had a, Not they to had mention a great offensive line and a great defensive core. And and got nothing. Underachieved. Underachieved. They don't have anything to show for this, like for this era. For this the Killer, killer B era. B era they have playoff appearances. I mean, granted, making them playoffs is no. Yeah, it's e- not easy. It's, it's not, not easy, easy to make like, the playoffs. But. but still, like you expect with the team, the way this team was. Um, Respected and just feared, feared. almost. You feared expect him to AFC. have at least a Super Bowl appearance. appearance, not championship, like actual win, just an appearance. And they haven't made an appearance this win in 2010. Yeah, know. against. I feel Green like Bay. now though they're gonna they're definitely after this, and I think with how they're gonna play next year, they're gonna lose a bit of that edge, and they may be. They may find themselves with other teams bypassing them, I think, with the exception of maybe Cincinnati. They may be a doormat in that division now, the AFC North. I just honestly think that this is more of an indictment on the organization itself to allow all this to go on than anybody else. Uh, speaking of doormats, let's head back to the NCAA tournament real quick. Uh, number 15, Bradley, is going to be going up against Michigan State, I believe Thursday night. Uh by the time you've heard this, they might have already played, and I might be wrong. They might have beaten Michigan State. <laughs> but that is not what people are talking about this week, Jace. No. So the big news coming out of Bradley, which is actually, those of you who don't know, and was actually a part of this, it's a, um, pri- it's a private university in Peoria, Illinois. And basically word came out, I believe it was on last Friday night, that they banned the uh, Peoria Journal Star reporter from covering the team. Dave, uh Reynolds. Reynolds, yes. And he's been covering the team for 29 years and is a two-time Illinois Sports Writer of the Year. So this is no slouch. This is no, you know, fresh out of college beat reporter. This is a well-respected reporter. And uh, he was banned from covering the team for, I believe, I don't want to quote it wrong, but for not representing the Bradley brand. He was told by a assistant uh, director of communications for the athletic department that we don't want you here anymore and you don't uh, promote the Bradley brand. All right, so Kobe, is it his job to promote the Bradley brand? Um, okay, so last time I checked, journalist's job is not to <laughs> promote a brand, a product, <laughs> a service, a team. No, it's not his job to promote Bradley in any way. I, that's a that's public relations. If you if that's if your problem is your brand's not being promoted enough, take it up with your university. Take it up with your PR department. Don't take it up with a journalist whose job is to report and write and give the give the viewers not the viewers the audience rather give the audience the factual information and then also if he writes columns about them, give columns based off the facts that he has or fresh feature stories, not promotion. That's not what journalists. And what I like most, I mean. For those of you who don't know, James, he, right in here, wrote a uh, column about it, and it's really well written on our website. I encourage you guys to check it out. But um, what I love that James brought up is that this is a small school, and they're not being covered by ESPN on a regular basis. They're not being broadcast on CBS. They're not getting this coverage. So when this guy is gone and when you ban this small publication from covering them, who's left? And I think that was a really strong point that you brought up in your article and. I, I 
I tried in the article to tie it a little bit to NIU because I feel like NIU, they're they're not going out and banning reporters, thankfully, and and all my times dealing with people from the communications from here at NIU has been smooth. Um, what I think that they lose sight of, though, is their importance within their own community, and that's not just the case at NIU or Bradley. That's at a lot of mid-major schools. Um, a lot of these mid-major schools don't get covered by ESPN or CBS, and some of them might one day might be. Texas Christian is a great example. They were once a mid-major school, and now they're, you know, playing alongside the guy, the people like Texas and Baylor and uh, some of the national brands in, in college football. But until then, the, the priority for those schools, they, Bradley should be focused on uh, the community in Peoria. Uh, NIU should be focused on the community in DeKalb. Um, Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats should be focused on Athens, Ohio. You know, uh, and a lot of uh, the mid-major schools, they want that national spotlight, but I don't think that they should be sacrificing their community ties to that. Yeah, no, that's that's the big thing, too, because these are up until the point where they become a national story. It's the local, it's the local whether it's a TV station, new uh, newspaper, or it's online. They're the ones that cover you until you get, not just until, but even when you get to that point of becoming a national story, they're the ones covering you. They're the ones who write the stories that people pick off of and that turn into national stories. And they're that's the ones that know you. They're the ones that are there at practice covering the team on you know a Tuesday night where you have a non-conference game at home they're the the reporters that are there you know like ESPN's not going to send any reporters are there so even when you get to that national level like the people that know the team are still these local reporters and the great you like I said jumping off James you made a great point after their spotlight is gone after they probably lose to was it Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State? State? Michigan State. State uh, Again, in the tournament. maybe. By the time you hear maybe. this, they Who might knows? have won the national title. Yeah, we know. That, that, that'll, <laughs> shut, that'll shut me up for sure. But after they lose to – well, my bracket says they're losing to Michigan State, so they better lose to Michigan State. <laughs> me too. After losing to Michigan State and the limelight wears off, who's going to – like? it's not – they're not banning the entire – the entire journal star. Journal star, but they're just banning the sport. Like, who – what are you expecting? Because then you – Right. Now you're just going to get less coverage. And what do you accomplish? What do you accomplish? You're not going to get any more promoted <laughs> by banning him. <laughs> no, doesn't help your uh, doesn't help your cause at all. Journalism is tough enough as it is. Not to you know, boohoo, woe is us, but <laughs> it is it is tough enough uh, as it is to to put our own biases away when we're doing our reports about say NIU because I think part of us all wants NIU athletes to succeed. But at the end of the day, if a team goes goes out and gets whipped, we have to report that they get whipped, and, and you know. That's that's what we have to focus on. I think is is just putting our preconceived notions and biases at the leaving them at the door. James, I hear you got a uh, a segment that you want to debut <laughs> on the first edition. I do. Of the headlines. Uh, this is this is uh, I'm just gonna say it now, and I told them before this. This is gonna be my baby. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna be my favorite thing. Uh, this is the briefs. Uh, we're just going to go through, and I'm going to try and get some rapid-fire questions out to uh, Kobe and Jace. We're going to start with the question, Va- uh, talking about Vontez Burfecht. Uh He was cut by the Bengals, but he just got signed, uh, picked up by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he got signed Tuesday, by, according to Bleacher Report, one year worth $5 million. That's a good thing he's got that payday because, according to uh, – I 
this uh, report from NFL Network. Uh, Fontes Perfect has been fined uh, well over $295,000 over the past five seasons for various actions, including flipping off fans and ankle twisting, Whew. among other things. <laughs> my question to the uh, to my my well-respected panel: What is the <laughs> dumbest thing you've ever done that's cost you a lot of money? Um, I guess for me, it would be well. I come from a small town, and um, in my small town, it's, it's uh, legal to drive golf carts around oh instead wow. of cars. Oh my gosh! So How small is this town? It's uh, two thousand, about two thousand now. Ooh. So um, now, <laughs> now it was about it was two thousand five hundred <laughs> growing up. I think it's two thousand now. But um, so basically, dumbest thing that ever cost me money. I believe my friend was actually driving, and if he's listening, he, you know, he can say what he wants. But this is the truth. He was driving, and uh, I was the passenger, and he actually flipped it on its side in my yard. Oy. And uh, if I remember correctly, so my, my stepdad, it was his golf cart. He got it for, uh, I think it was his birthday one year. And he, um, he, made, he made us, well, us, quote, unquote, us pay for it. And uh, it was probably about $100, $150 to fix, fix the, uh, um, the windshield. And if I remember correctly, I don't believe my buddy ever paid his half. I believe I paid it. So I guess that'd be a stupid thing, even though it wasn't my fault, and I still will hold that to this day. Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you say dumbest, I'm thinking like speeding ticket. Like I could obviously True. just not speed, and right. I c- that can be taken care of. But like the thing that still like angers me to this day is getting a ticket for jaywalking. Wow. Like, it was only twenty five dollars. So granted, I'm like like not. Oh my but gosh, I'm broke because of it. But jaywalking, like for real? That wow. Like I was down in, in Champaign, U of I, and how how it was is there you can cross the street diagonally and you can cross the street like regular. So like if I want to get from one corner to the other corner, I could do that way and I could do the other way. Just regular, just horizontal. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, all right, so nobody's driving, yada yada. All right, this is cool. Let's just go. Walk across <laughs> and the police come and they're like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> did I commit a crime, officer? Did I, did I do something wrong? Oh, yeah, you jaywalk. <laughs> and he got 25. Mine's sort of along those lines of it's not necessarily. Uh, Just obscure. That's what it is. Yeah. Right. Like really yeah. Mine's not necessarily something that cost me a lot of money, but it was something I definitely should have done. Uh, this has happened very recently. I won't name where, but I had uh, food at, at a certain uh, large chain restaurant that I knew would wreck my stomach. And I paid $10 for food at said restaurant and proceeded to be incapacitated for three days. Oh, my God. Moving on from that, hey, I at least had $10. Uh, That kind of leads into our next problem, which we're going to get into uh, situation solving here. That's uh, that's what we do here at the Star. Uh, Abilene Christian are the number 15th-ranked team in uh, one of the regions. They're going to be playing Kentucky uh, Thursday night. And America's going to want to watch that game because AC coach Joe Golding will be coaching in a torn pair of pants. The coach says he only owns one suit and couldn't find time to fix the hole, which ESPN reports was ripped during the team's celebration of winning the Southland Conference Championship. My question is, if either of you were Joe Golding, what would you do? Get new pants, wear the torn ones, or something else? Dude. All right. <laughs> I'll take this one. Go so, for it. So, Joe. Mr. Joe, Mr. Golden, <laughs> whatever you want to go as. Dude, I know you just got a bonus for making the tournament. Get a new suit. Not just pants. <laughs> get a whole new suit. Get a new jacket, blazer, what do you want to call it. Get the pants. Get a new shirt. Get a new tie. Get some cufflinks. Get a, get something. Dog, 
you make two. You know what? Let me not talk about what's another man's pockets. His, his pockets. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about his pockets. I just know you make. You got a one thousand dollar bonus for making the tournament. Now, what you do with your money is your money. That's fine. However, don't be looking raggedy in front of the national television. <laughs> and He's gonna suit. have to shake hands with John Calipari, <laughs> one of the best coaches <clears throat> in the nation. Oh yeah, that's right. Never mind. Never mind. W- wear the torn pants. <laughs> Keep the keep the torn Jace, pants. Jace, what would you do? Dude, the way I saw, it, we were talking about it earlier. Like the way I saw it, yeah, you know, money's money. You know, we don't know how much this guy makes. It's you know, it's whatever. It is. It is a, a small school. Yeah, but the point I brought up is like, so there's got to be parents traveling with the team, right? There's got to be. So you're telling me that not one mom, not one grandma, not one aunt has said, "Hey, coach, can you let me sew your pants up?" Because like we got a nationally televised game against Kentucky. This is the first time the majority of America has ever even heard of this school and that's what you guys that's what they're known for right now like they're not no like you know they could come out and they could beat Kentucky and the story's going to be like you know the lucky fans the lucky ripped fans and I mean if they come out and beat Kentucky I mean you got to stick with it you got to go through the rest of it like I the, <laughs> hey, hey if, I, if I'm his player you can't like you beat Kentucky first Terry's round more game by game dude <laughs> yes Terry, a little bit more you know get to just, the national title game and he's just got no pants. if you win you can't change it so you bet <laughs> I mean, if you if you lose, you go home. I guess that's the end and of it. And get new pants. Hopefully. You hopefully get Listen, new pants. Listen, you guys left me the the something else option, and I'm glad because I have a phenomenal idea. It'll be full of laughs. You don't not, you don't get a new pair of dress pants. You don't get a sorry. I'm not. I'm just talking to you guys now. You don't get a new pair of dress pants. You don't sew this one up. You just wear totally unique pants. Get some MC Hammer, oh, some oh the gold God. pants. Get uh, uh, warm up. They got 15 guys that, at least five guys who aren't going to be wearing the warm up shorts or the warm up uh, pants. Just throw some of those on when they're done with. Them. <laughs> you know what, Something Jace? Like that. Jace, you actually convinced me. He should just wear the ter- uh, the torn pants. Just wear the torn yeah. pants until okay. they lose. Because they're facing Kentucky, and they're probably going to lose. Yeah. However, a lot of teams have lost to Kentucky, but how many teams have lost to Kentucky with their coaches' pants ripped? How many teams have beaten Kentucky with their coaches' pants? Exactly. So There's you can leave a, a legacy. This is why you got to watch America. You can exactly. leave a legacy. Keep your pants torn. I'm sorry about talking about your money and your bonus. <laughs> Probably didn't want your business out there like that. But anyway, keep the torn pants. You become in a fairness, legend. In fairness, there's a lot of him out there now. Like a lot more than he does not want out there. <laughs> All right. Going on to a, the final brief of the day. Uh, the Chicago Fire signed a uh, local sort of prodigy. Uh, Gabriel Salinia uh, has been signed on uh, from the Chicago Fire. He's from their academy system. Uh, and he is no normal signing. No, no, no. He's a 14-year-old high school freshman. First year. From my alma mater, Aston Trail High School. Uh, he's already training with the U.S. national team under 15 and under 16 teams. So he is legit. And he, of course, is a uh, member of the... Uh, Blazers, not the Trail Blazers. He's a member of the Blazers, so you know he's got to be good. My question to you guys is, what would you guys have gone pro in at 14 years old? Absolutely nothing. I still can't get pro in anything. That, what, like, were you, no- what were you best at at 14 years old? Modern Warfare 2. Okay. I was going <laughs> to say, I, w- I, I was thinking Call of Duty Black Ops. I, Modern <laughs> Warfare 2, that's what I was best at. Uh, no, there's nothing I could have gotten pro. This is It's impressive, you know, to be signed at 14 years old. I mean, that's the difference between soccer and you know, other sports is you're allowed to go pro this young, but I mean that's just super impressive to me. I probably could have been a professional YouTube watcher. 
just okay. watching YouTube. Yeah. You could like no. review YouTube. What videos. kind of videos though? So a lot. I, like when I was younger, I just was obsessed with watching music videos. Okay. Oh yeah. Like, I would just watch like hours upon hours of music videos. Who is your go-to music video guy or girl mm-hmm. or group? That's a good question. I watch a lot of neo music videos. A lot oh, of yeah. R&B neo music videos. So I just I I've watched like probably. Every single song that he has a music video for from 2006 to 2011, 2012, I've watched his music video. The only the only times. sport I could have gone pro in, not even pro really, amateur, uh, was wrestling. It was the only sport I ever tried uh, in my youth that I was any good at, and I went 5-4 and four in junior varsity. <laughs> nice. Oh, I could have been a professional middle school basketball player. There you go. There you go. <laughs> And, sti- and still, this 14-year-old will make more probably oh, this yeah. next year than Zion Williamson <laughs> this entire season at Duke. And for that's how we'll close it. That's Respect. how we'll close it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for the first Headliners podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know you know, we enjoyed making it, and uh, we look forward to bringing you guys this, um, this type of commentary every single week. And uh, Make sure to check out northernstar.info for our latest stories and latest news on NIU. And follow us on Twitter at NIU Northern Star.